Cybersecurity remains a huge business for companies and vendors looking to make things more secure, as seen by the recent Black Hat conference held in Las Vegas. We're going to get an update on what topics are top of mind for IT security professionals next up on Today in Tech. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Today in Tech. I'm Keith Shaw. Joining me on the show today is Joan Goodchild. She is a writer, editor, and the founder of Cyber, Sa- Cyber, ugh, Cyber Savvy Media. Sorry about that. And as well as the former editor-in-chief of CSO Online. Welcome to the show, Joan. Thank you. Thanks. It's, it's, it's good to have you here. This is the first time you, I think you've been on this particular show. Yep. Uh, but you used to do videos with us back in the old IDG days as I well. Did, and yep. uh, it's good to have you back. Uh, so you recently attended Black Hat mm-hmm. Conference in, yep. uh, in Las Vegas. For those who might not know the show, what is the purpose of the show? Uh, like what goals do they have? So Black Hat is a huge cybersecurity professional conference that takes place every year in Las Vegas. It's actually one of three shows that takes place over the course of the week. There's um, Besides Las Vegas, mm-hmm. Black Hat, and then DEF CON. Um, and they're all together kind of known affectionately as Hacker Summer Camp. <laughs> uh, and so, you know, generally the objective of all of them is, is you know, education, professional development, learning for cybersecurity yeah. individuals who want to learn more for their career. And, and how many years of have you been going or did you start in the early days of, of, of the show? So I think the show is more than 20 years old now. Um, and I've been going for about 15 years mm-hmm. on most summers. You know, there have been some summers I missed. And then, of course, during the pandemic, the, they did a virtual only right. event. Um, but yeah, I've gone to many, many more than I think I can count at this point. Yeah, because yeah, nothing says fun like August in <laughs> Las Vegas. It's surprisingly why crowded there. Is it just because they could get the cheap hotel room rates? or, or? I don't know. It's, uh, it's always historically been there as far as I know. So I don't know, but there's a lot of tourists there too. You know, I mean, there are long lines all over the place. So they're not the only ones that are doing Vegas in August. (laughs) I think I did Vegas in July once on vacation after going so many years to CES and other types of tech shows. And I didn't like it at all. (laughs) July in Vegas just did not match with me. No, you step out of that um, airport and it's like walking into an oven. It really is. It just smacks you in the face. So has the show, has the show changed over, over the years? Have you noticed a sense of either the types of people that go to the show? Is it now vendor centric versus maybe, um, you know, security professionals or, or hackers, as it were? So, um, yeah, like I said, 15 years on and off most summers. I mean, what I sense about the difference now is that um, there's a different kind of energy at the conferences. I mean, I didn't go to the other two companion conferences this year. I have in the past, but at Black Hat specifically, you know, is where I was this year. And there's just a, a real energy of education and collaboration. You know, it used to be back in the day you'd go and it was kind of, you know, collectively the different cons were this sort of like edgy place and you had to kind of watch your back and worry about being put on the wall of sheep, which is a thing that they yep. did at DEF CON. I don't know if they're still doing it because I haven't been in a few years, um, you know, where they put up your name or your handle to let you know that you'd been owned and, you know, that somebody <laughs> had hacked into your device or whatever. Um, but it's really, again, like I, I don't, I don't sense that kind of thing anymore. There's a lot of really young cybersecurity professionals who want to learn and get their feet wet and learn mm-hmm. more for their career. I sat with um, even students at lunch one day and, you know, talked to them. They, you know, still in college are interested in it. And I think a lot of those kind of younger 
edgier, you know, the original hackers have grown up and they're very passionate about what they do. And yeah. so I really sense, you know, a real deep passion for collaboration and education and trying to educate this next um, generation yeah. of cybersecurity experts. So, does that mean it's more like RSA in in terms of the, the content or is it the the... The RSA little brother. Well, yeah, so I mean, I think RSA has, um, you know, RSA is also one that's sort of evolved over time. And, you know, because in the industry, everybody likes to be cynical and they'll say, you know, like, oh, this has changed and it's only a shell of its former self. I mean, it just things have evolved in the and the kinds of content that they cover over the course of, of the the cons has has changed somewhat. But at its heart, uh, Black Hat is still really an educational conference. So you mm-hmm. go to these sessions and a lot of them are, you know, demonstrative and show you, you know, how certain exploits were pulled off. And so that you can understand what vulnerabilities exist in certain types of technology. People go based on different tracks, depending on what their career focus is, to learn about different ways that things are being done so that they can try and help learn things for defense. Yeah. And so I think you answered the the next question. When you go to a show like this, where's the the most value? Is it the the show floor with companies that are uh, announcing new products or is it the conference sessions, uh, educational sessions where you, you know, you can learn things or find out what the trends are? Like, is there a balance or do you just go? straight for the conference. I mean, part. I'm a content person, so yeah. I love to sit in on the sessions. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I find that they're very valuable in terms of just understanding um, emerging technologies and emerging themes. I like to see what people are talking about and, you know, what might be new and different. Um, you know, for example, I remember a few years ago sitting in on a lot of sessions that were about kind of the intersection between DevOps and security and mm-hmm. the need for those two teams to really start collaborating more, building security into the outset of the software development lifecycle, those kinds of things. And, you know, that's turned into a very pervasive and common practice now called DevSecOps. Yep. Um, but, you know, I, I remember those early kind of conversations and a lot of that took place at Black Hat. Um, and, you know, of course, this year, one of the big themes that emerged was around AI. Yeah, years. that's why you, you predicted yeah. my next question. <laughs> We're going to get right into one of the trends. I'd imagine everyone's talking about generative AI and chat yeah. GPT and things like that. So is there concern? Is there excitement? Um, what's what's the mix of, of yeah. the, the topics? Yeah, there's both. I mean, there's definitely both. I mean, there was a, the one of the first keynotes was actually called Guardians of the AI Era Navigating the Cybersecurity Landscape of Tomorrow. And that was by a um, security researcher named Maria Markstetter. Uh-huh. She's the founder of Gener- uh, she's a founder of Azeria Labs. So that went into both like the potential benefits and the risks of the technology and, you know, how it's, it's going to be used um, to kind of navigate new kinds of attack surfaces. There was also another um, session about how AI can actually help with cybersecurity. And uh, that was a little more kind of high level about how executives need to be prepping their organization to try to take advantage right, of this technology right. for cybersecurity uh, practices. Yeah. Uh, were, were there other trends be- beyond just AI or is this now a AI security kind of conference? <laughs> or, you know, you know, I always, with, with the hype around AI, yeah. you always get a sense of like, well, first of all, there's the people that are in AI that have been like, hey, we've been here. Right. We've already been right. here for 20 years. And yeah. now all of a sudden this little chat GPT thing comes along. And, and so that's why we now have to call it gen AI or yeah. generative AI. Um, I can imagine that, that the security people are probably the same, the same way. Like if you've been in business to try to stop ransomware for so many years or malware, and then all of a sudden you're like, hey guys, I'm, you know, we're still here. Well, I mean, absolutely. And with chat GPT, that kind of opened to this whole new door now. But um, the reason why it did, of course, is because when something goes mainstream, 
then it does become security's problem, you know, yeah. and there are so many more projects now that the security ne- teams need to be aware of. And even, um, you know, projects that security teams themselves are using to harness AI um, that, you know, research has shown are still inherently insecure and in, in, in that uh, the security leaders need to be mindful of. So, um, you know, while it, it's certainly not a new technology, the applications that it's being used for are new and, you know, and it's concerning and risky, but also promising yeah. and exciting. I would say another thing I noticed, though, you know, no, it wasn't all just AI, but one thing um, that uh, there was, there were several different sessions that were kind of more sort of like outside the scope of necessarily like the technology and the tools and that sort of thing. There was one on neurodiversity mm-hmm. in um, cybersecurity. There was one on um, climate change and cybersecurity, you know, and, and again, like the idea of doing uh, different talks that aren't necessarily about the tools and technology isn't new. I remember sitting in on one at RSA years ago about infosec burnout and careers and so forth. So yeah. it's not a new concept, but I definitely noticed that there's a lot more attention now paid to some of these kind of other topics that aren't just about how you're practicing cybersecurity. All right. And um, when you go to a show like this, do you walk away kind of going, oh man, security's messed up? Or <laughs> is it one of those things where the industry is, you know, you've heard this phrase, it's a bunch of hammers looking for nails. Like they almost make up the fear, uncertainty and doubt to try to get people to buy their their products. Years in the cybersecurity space, you, you must have experienced that. Is it still like that? Or do you still get excited, you know, after coming back from, from a show like this? Yeah, I mean, I think... Um I think what I sense is a, ca- a lot of cautious optimism, and that's, right. been, that's been the case. Cautious <laughs> optimism, I like that. That's the, the case of, you know, insecurity, usually. Um, but, you know, we know it's tough for people in this industry. They're always yeah. fighting an uphill battle. As The more that security practitioners innovate, the more the criminals innovate and find new ways to get ahead yeah. um, so that they're always exploiting um, different victims. But, you know, again, like with that optimism, there's still, like I said, that energy that, that I'm observing more and more when I go to cons now, there's a, a huge amount of passion of, you know, we're going to help to educate this next generation of cybersecurity um, experts and professionals and so forth and really kind of try to get ahead and um, and help solve these problems for people. Do you get a sense that shows like this are where you can find out what's coming next in terms of the, the trends or whether it's attacks or is that more of a DEFCON, some of those smaller ones? Because I, I, I read some coverage of DEFCON and the the big news was that somebody had discovered uh, the iPhone command control could you could hack in through that little pop-up thing and right right didn't sound very exciting to me but well you know, maybe the, <laughs> I guess it, in the space it might have been an off year yeah. um, but you know I, I I do think so DEFCON's the show where there's more showboating and showing off and that kind of thing yeah um, and so you know I remember like again years ago going to one it was more than 10 years ago um, and a, a, unfortunately a, the late great um, security researcher his name is Barnaby Jack he's no longer with us mm-hmm. had pulled off this session or talk or presentation called jackpotting where he essentially showed how easy it was to reverse engineer the operating system of an ATM so that it could spit out cash uh, <laughs> you know and that that was the headline that yeah, year yeah. Um, you know a lot of really smart guys who are kind of doing things that you know sort of maybe straddles the line between 
white hat and we'll say gray hat, not necessarily black hat, but, you know, stuff that could necessarily be used for nefarious purposes. But that's not why they're doing it. Yeah. You know, they're doing it again with an eye towards education and yeah. to say, like, look, this is how easy it is to do. But there's also, you know, a lot of bravado among people in the industry, too. They want to kind of show that thing off. So, um, you know, usually there are some headlines. Like yeah, that, that I, come I think out on, of it. on the chat GPT side, there were there were people that were trying to prove that they could get the AIs to admit that it was a human or something <laughs> like that. Or they were doing prompt injection type things with with it to try to see if it could make the the results, you know, weird or something like that. And then someone hid a credit card number in yeah. and they were trying to see if they could hack the credit card number. And someone said that they did. And then the guy was like, nope, that's not the number. <laughs> so, um, you know, that. but then, then I sort of stopped paying attention to, to, right. the, to the show. Um, one other uh, article I read this year was that um, it did seem a little, the, the show was a little downplayed a little bit or a little quieter because there were been a lot of security layoffs uh, in in the space. I know there was a lot, there's been a lot of tech layoffs in the yeah. in industry altogether. Um, has the security industry also been seeing these? Yeah, the security industry um, has not been spared. There's definitely been a lot yeah. of layoffs um, among vendors. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, um, I'm seeing I, what I saw, for example, last week when I was kind of looking across a lot of the social media channels that I monitor, for example, um, was some criticism like, hey, you know, why is this vendor putting all this money into this really expensive showy booth when they just laid off X amount of people? You know, why are they hosting these big elaborate parties when, you know, they just had yeah. to lay people off? And, you know, there's a... a, a you know, people in security are not afraid to voice their opinion about things like that. And again, there can be some cynicism. So um, depending on the positioning of the vendor and what was going on with them, things didn't always hit right last week mm -hmm. with what they what we yeah. were doing at Black Hat because it has been a difficult time in, in security as well as tech general. Is there still a feeling of... of in corporate boardrooms that security projects will generally be approved and you don't have as many hurdles as you would for maybe deploying a collaborative software platform or something that's less less important as security like is yeah. that still is it still a blank check that gets stamped no uh, um and i i think that's interesting that that um you have that perception because it's, it's kind of hotly debated you know i mean especially when i first started to write about security when yeah. i was with cso years ago one of the big issues we wrote about was the challenge of security getting funded for things because it's considered a cost center you know okay. and so you know increasingly cso's are asked to kind of demonstrate roi for what they're doing instead but in, amid this client it's in it, climate it is very difficult and um, you know the budgets are not getting increased in fact they're getting asked to do less with more there was actually one session called cybersecurity maximum attention minimum budget that Ooh. looked that you know <laughs> wow. that even though um, they have a high profile in an organization yeah. the CISOs are still you know kind of really struggling at this point to be able to get budget but yet you know every study that comes out cost of a breach just came out breach costs still at an all-time high ransomware continues to be a huge yeah. problem for people so um, you know certainly the the crime Time's not going away, but, you know, getting the budget right now is tough. Yeah. I, I, the Speaking of ransomware, I saw another story about how uh, hackers are now shifting to customer service. I, <laughs> did you, I think I showed, I think I sent that to you where, uh, so I've, I've stolen your data. Yeah. And instead of just encrypting it automatically and then demanding ransom, I said, well, look, hey, Joan, <laughs> I've, I haven't encrypted it. If you, the, the quicker you send me the money, 
not only will I give you the, the data back, but now here's all of the steps of how we did it. Like they're actually telling these people right. how they, they did it now as a way to try to like, right. It, 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 that boggles my mind. Well, it is, you know, it's an industry. I mean, for, for years now, you've been able to go on to the dark web and buy exploit kits and all kinds yeah. of different things that the, you know, criminals can use that just, you know, it's like full service. Here you go here, here, we'll, we'll give you the tools that you need to do it. And now you just need to set it up and go ahead and rip people off. But it was actually um, in the news this week is a um, widespread breach of various LinkedIn accounts and those criminals, you know, it's not even the same as like, oh, I'm encrypting your data and you know, they're they're trying to extort money out of people, but it's really only a few hundred dollars <laughs> in order to like give people access to their profile back. So, you know, there's just yeah, very like I, different I, levels the now. The value of my LinkedIn account, <laughs> yeah. I don't even, you know, five bucks maybe? Right. Like, if I could create a new one, You right? can start a new one, but... But um, I guess yeah. I'm, not, I'm not as popular as someone who might have right. thousands of thousands of followers and, and things like that. I could see like targeting the really popular. And I, I think I can see it for people in certain professions too. Like if you're in sales or something like that, you're doing a ton of outreach on yeah, there and a lot yeah. of valuable contacts that are hard to get back again. So, you know, I, again, I agree with you. I, it, it doesn't seem as devastating as it sounds, but I'm sure it is for some people. Yeah. Do you get a sense from these shows of that you can, whether or not you can tell who might have the upper hand between the battle of the black hats versus the white hats in terms of, well, uh, 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 or it, it's a constant race, right? Yeah. Someone makes a, you know, someone does a hack, right. then they defend, then, you know, it's back and forth. Yeah. I mean, I think when it comes to that, there's really no question that it's just a constant cat and mouse game. Yeah. And, uh, you know, people in security are constantly fighting um, a tough battle. It's a really hard job. You know what I mean? That really has a very difficult way to measure success because you're always trying to, you know, there's always something new that you, some fire to put out or something to defend against or some alert that needs to be investigated. Um, so whether or not the black hats have the upper hand is a hard question to answer. Um, but I know that they're always keeping the white hats on their toes. <laughs> mm, okay. All right. So now we're going to, we're going to jump into the story time here. Oh yeah. Okay. So you had an experience <laughs> at the show uh, where your laptop was stolen. Yeah. Uh, and of course, you know, does this has happen a lot at the show? <laughs> not, not, not you personally, but yeah. in general, there's this rule like watch, you know, watch your credit. If you're at DEF CON, for example, you don't want to. They don't. They don't accept credit cards, right? You have to pay in cash. I think for, for that show at DefCon. Um, that's a good question. I think I, I read. I read I that, that it's now cash only. Okay. Yeah. Um, and so there's always you know concerns about breaches and yeah. passwords and things like that. Um, but so you had you had a a your laptop stolen, and it must be a real pain considering this was done at a hacker conference. So take us right. now. There's a happy ending ish <laughs> yeah. type of ending to this. So I want to give it away. I want you to start start from the beginning. <laughs> Tell me what happened because I've got a, so many questions here. And I yeah. found out about this because you put this on yeah. your Facebook account. Right, so, right, right. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, I mean, I've been covering security again for almost 20 years. And uh, one of the things that I used to write about a lot for CSO is social engineering, which is basically hacking yep. humans, you know, how criminals pull off certain exploits by essentially fooling you. That could be anything from getting you to click a phishing link to getting you to let them into a door that's supposed to be locked and that sort of thing. So, you would think I would know better. Anyway, um, <laughs> so I... Um, it's very bold of you to actually come in on the show and talk about this. 
So I and because, I, of, because you've, <laughs> yeah, you've written about this for years. Right. And I also, um, you know, when I go to Black Hat stuff, I usually meet up with old friends and go to parties and stuff like that. I wasn't doing any of that that night. No drinking. <laughs> I had gone to get an In-N-Out Burger Burger because yeah. that was another pilgrimage of mine when yeah. I go there. And um, I was waiting for my Uber to come and I, Uber alerted me if I asked me if I wanted a shared ride because it would get me there quicker and it was $5 cheaper. I said, sure, fine. I've done it a million times. And I get in the Uber and uh, there's somebody in the back seat, which was expected. It was a shared ride. And it was a young man who um, told me that he was there for Magic Con, which was lie number one, because I looked that up later. Magic <laughs> Con is not happening in Las Vegas this month. Uh, <laughs> and um, and then he told me that he um, has a real passion for magic and he loves card games. And then he offers to show me a few card tricks. And it's just, and are you sitting next to him at yeah, this point? Yeah, right here. Okay. Yep. Yep. And, my, and so my bag with my laptop, which again, I'm a security-minded person. I never unzip that laptop. I always keep my cell phone, you know, in a in a special place yep. um, underneath my shirt when I'm around because I'm always worried about it getting lifted. So the bag is right in front of me and in, in between my feet. He's showing me his magic tricks with the cards and it's just the typical like pick a card, oh, it bumps to the top, whatever. I think he goes through it three times and yep. I was like, oh, uh-huh, yeah. <laughs> and then we talked about it a little bit more. He claims he was a rabbinical student studying at Yeshiva University in Brooklyn, New York, just in town for the con and um so he had a really good story oh, yeah. we don't know if this is true or not right that, nope no oh, idea okay. and um and so they drop so then the driver drops him off at mgn grand where he claims he was going to see david copperfield <laughs> so it was a really really you know <laughs> so okay. i was exhausted i go home don't think anything more about it and then the next day i go to pack up to go back to the venue for the second day of the conference and my laptop is gone and then i proceeded to freak out now the day before i had given a presentation. Uh-huh. And so that was the last place I physically saw it. And I thought, okay, naturally, I just probably left it there. Whatever I go back. Nope, sorry, I haven't seen it. I spent the entire day running all over the place, visiting security, visiting lost and found multiple times. No one turned it in. And then at the end of the day, as a last ditch effort, I contacted that. I had Uber contact the driver. You can't do that yourself. Yep. And um, and that's when I started to get a bunch of creepy phone calls. Oh, okay. So um, the first phone call was somebody claiming that they had my laptop and it was going to cost me $300 to get it back. Wow. Okay. So it's just sort of a ransomware attack here or ransomware physical. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, They're holding it hostage. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and then I said, does Uber know you're doing this? Cause (laughs) this is all new to me. He said, yeah, that's the rule. And I said, okay. I said, what's your name? And he gave me the name, uh, uh, the wrong name, not the name of the driver. Uh, cause you do get your driver's name when you order an Uber. Yeah. Um, and then I said, where did you drive me? And he couldn't remember. So then I hung up on him and then I got two more calls like that. And then by the time this last person called me at midnight, he, had the name of the How driver. How did they get your phone number? Well, Uber connects them. Okay. So you contact Uber and say, I think I've left an item and then they provide your phone number. Yeah. And so Uber later told me that the reason why they thought I got multiple calls was because he's running some scheme okay. and had shared my number with multiple people to try okay. and see who 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 could successfully get the um, laptop back to me and get the money out of me. Yeah. So when he finally called and identified himself and he recalled the whole card game thing and everything, I said, yeah, okay. He said, it's going to cost you $100 to get it back. So apparently the price was going down because wow. I wasn't buying. It's, it's like it's like the scalper outside the stadium, <laughs> yeah. and the price is going down the closer we get to right. the concert, right? So I said, 
okay, come meet me. Walked down to the hotel lobby, um, immediately looped in a very nice, tall, intimidating security person. And I said, my laptop's being held hostage by Uber. They're trying to extort me. Yeah. And uh, so he, when the guy pulls up and waves me over, the security guard accompanied me. And the guy rolls the window down and security guard goes, why are you trying to charge her a hundred bucks, bro? <laughs> and the Uber driver tries to wave him away. And the security guard goes, no, hand over the laptop right now. So wow. he passes it out the window. And then... Um, on my way um, out, the Uber driver goes, that's it? I told you, you know, I was supposed to be home with my family right now. I, you know, and I drove this all the way over here for you. And I said, you stole this from me. That's why you have it. So, so do you think that the magic card, the magic trick guy and the driver I were do. working together? Yeah, that's what I think is going on. I think he probably gets maybe a cut of some money from the guy. You know, I mean, I haven't 100% figured it out what the angle is. But this, I, I did look this person up. I'm not going to say their name or whatever for yeah. legal reasons. But he has a profile on LinkedIn because. He's either the stupidest criminal in the world or a fantastic. <laughs> so if you're a hacker, hater, go yeah. after this guy on LinkedIn, right? Like, it's, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's him. It's his, his face, his name, whatever. But wow. there's absolutely no way um, yeah. that wasn't part of the whole grift, so to speak. And they're running some. He probably goes right back and gets him, and then they do it all again. And I don't know. He cut, gets a cut of the profits or something. Um, and but, do, yeah. do you think that they lifted? They lift the notebook out of the bag. So yeah, what it, I think it, happened is again, it was it was distracted. in front of me. It's a, it was a you little know, very small car. Magic yeah. tricks. I'm watching. Yeah. And um, the thing's right there in front of me. And I think what happened is that he distracts people with magic tricks and the driver reaches back and unzips the bag and pulls it out. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Did you, and you, you did get your In-N-Out burger, right? Like, the In-N-Out <laughs> burger, as always, was great. I was, uh, I was flying high until yeah. that moment. And you went uh, to the police station. You went to the police okay, station. Okay, yes. And then, yeah, that's too, the right? other part. I went down, yeah. I, I spoke to the police and uh, I didn't, again, I hadn't put was this together after, all the pieces. Was this after or before? Like, this was, um, um, was this was before I realized it, what exactly had happened. I yeah. thought it had perhaps been, the best I could do was, okay, it's probably was stolen in an out burger. I mean, again, I'm pretty, I'm very security minded. I don't yeah. leave the thing sitting, but I couldn't think of anything else and i thought at least they'll have surveillance video so i filed a police report they were going to get in touch with in and out burger and then all of this went down after that so the next day i updated the police report and that's kind of where it sits and i should also mention too that i've reached out to uber twice for commentary yeah uh, to let them know i'll be speaking about this and i've heard nothing back <laughs> so i don't know how often i don't know how common this is i've tried to do some research yeah. on that too yeah. but yeah so i mean it's a, it was definitely social engineering that that uh, that was that sort of well, it was more of a distraction. It yeah, was a, no, was but it was it, social it was engineering. A, it was yeah. a magic trick <laughs> that went wrong. Yep, they got um, me. There's no question. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I guess don't share an Uber. <laughs> I was going to say, people. yeah, as I said what, in my like, post, what lessons learned? my lessons learned are um, I won't ever be taking shared rides again. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I won't ever be physically putting that thing even an inch away from my body because that will have to, do, you know, I'd keep my laptop on my lap now, yeah. if, uh, my, my laptop bag on my lap. And um, and yeah, and just keep your guard up. You know what I mean? It's the, it's the oldest bit of advice in the book. And, you know, I, I travel a lot and I thought I knew what I was doing. You, but you know what it is? You didn't, it was, it, you had, it was zero trust. There were, you did not yeah. have that zero trust <laughs> I did, right. security mentality right. that I think everyone needs to, to have now. Right. Um, well, and, and then you, you did get the laptop back now. Yeah. And I don't know. So at that, at that point, that's when I contacted you to, yeah. to be on the show. Um, you said you weren't going to open the laptop right. and you were going to try to make sure that yes. it wasn't, you know, hacked or anything right, like that. Right. And, and I did. Yeah. And everything's fine. Yeah. So I brought it home. I didn't use it at all for yeah. the rest of my time. I just basically yeah. immediately powered it down. So it was a brick for the rest of the, um, 
travel. And yeah. then when I came home, I um, did some forensics on it, ran uh, in, in addition to running like, you know, a scan and so forth to see. So it appears to be okay. Um, I'm still, of course, you know, like I said earlier, cautiously optimistic, <laughs> but I still put a freeze on my credit and all the other things yeah, that you need yeah. to do when you're afraid that any of your um, information has been leaked. So, you know, and it's unsettling. It's just unsettling when, when something like yeah. that happens. So, But they messed with the wrong person. <laughs> Turnabout is fair play, yeah, as I said. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm happy that you were able to get it back, and, and this does have a happy ending. And and then you know, it's right. it, it's 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 weird that it happened at it because at I a know. security show. Well, because I mean, um, that's the ultimate takeaway too. Is that I thought you know for years I've been going to these conferences and. I worry about the security there. I think, I, and I feel safer walking around there right. than I would on the Las Vegas Strip at wow. this point. So. Wow, wow, that's that's uh, that's a great story, Joan. So thank you very much for coming on the show, telling us about about that, but also about uh, a lot of the trends that are going on in the security space. Sure, anytime. That's all the time we have for today's episode. Don't forget to like the video, subscribe to the channel, add your comments below. Uh, tell us if you're going to go to MagicCon, for example. Uh, join us every week for new episodes <laughs> of Today in Tech. I'm Keith Shaw. Thanks for watching.